Good morning and welcome to the Hardcore Mortgage Real Estate Show podcast that we do. we got a great little show lined up for you. Sunny Harvin joins us. Sunny's been on our mortgage show and she's an awesome realtor. Good to, good to see you, Sunny, on our Zoom cast. Also, Lisa Lawson, the girl who's got all the knowledge here in the office. She's always the go-to person. Good morning, Lisa. Morning, Harvey. How you doing? I'm doing really good. You know, I, I started the show before we started talking with Sunny and I just said, you know, what we do is not really that exciting when you really think about it, but it's extremely exciting. It's like there's nothing of a bigger high than maybe getting married is uh, it's right up there owning a house and home ownership and closing on that house. It's up there with, you know, these, these crazy life events that happen, but getting there might not be real sexy. And, you know, we're, we're asked Lisa to come on these radio shows and give new information. And sometimes the information isn't new. Yeah, sometimes it's the same old song and dance, but, you know, it can't be said it, it, too much, you know, be prepared, be educated about the situation, and you're going to have a successful closing and a smoother transaction. Yeah, I, I mean, that's really it is get yourself educated. Mm-hmm. And if you get the blocking and they say in football, the blocking, the passing, all the basics down where well, you're going to go out there and perform pretty well. And Sonny, that's really what's going on out there. It's it's you have to have that reliability that that mortgage banker ran the file through and this file is going to close in 30 days because you're presenting that to the other side, the listing agent side. Right, exactly. And um, not only is it important that um, the mortgage side read through everything and collect everything, it's top of mind for me today is that the client needs to read through everything that they sign. Um, a, a couple reasons. One is I had no power for six days last week and I realized how much right. uh, how much of real estate is, is technology based now because I had no electricity. And I think sometimes people aren't as thorough as they should be because they're signing things electronically. I couldn't agree more. I can't tell you how many times I get a purchase agreement. And the, and the buyer goes, well, when am I closing? I'm like, it's on your purchase agreement on this date. And they're like, well, I'm on vacation that week. And I'm like, you know, we had a 30-day PA with a five-day inspection period, and you're going to be gone the last week. I can't get a loan closed in two weeks. You know what I mean? So I think it's important that everybody reads through that. And you're right. I think they get excited. They start e-signing, and they don't take the time to actually read what they're signing, which is so important. And I'm sure the same happens to Harvey and you guys all the time. Yeah, it, it definitely Boy, me. And the, on the buyer and the seller side, uh, they'll not read what I send as far as the offer is. And I usually try to like really break it out, you know, the, the high points of it. But I, I'm constantly dealing with, um, you know, the that it's electronic. You guys have been doing this much longer than me. I don't think I could have done it before it was electronic. But, <laughs> um, but that's the you know kind of a pitfall is people not reading through, right. Yeah, those DocuSigns uh, really helped out the real estate industry, especially with these competitive bills. But you real estate agents, Sonny, are still writing 30 days on purchase agreements. I've got a jumbo loan, 30-day purchase agreement. And sure enough, like Lisa said, client's got a summer vacation. He's a wealthy doctor. He's got a uh, summer vacation plan. We were able to get him to consent or and get the appraisal ordered. And he got his inspection done. He's away on vacation, but we are moving forward. But so often, yeah, it's just as simple as like, they're not really going through and reading all these documents. And it leads me to actually, I hate when I have to bump heads or bring something up to an agent. And I always tell them uh, as a soft as I can be about it is, Hey, look, I'm not, po- I'm just trying to point something out. So how often, so I have a married couple lease and I got the purchase agreement. 
husband's a doctor, wife works, but it's a small part-time job, stay home mom. Her name's not on the purchase agreement. And I know that 1000%, what that she's on the current home because I do their mortgage, their refinance. She's entitled to the current home. If we just put her name on the purchase agreement and she signs it, and then she goes to closing and signs the few documents because she's not in the mortgage, she's automatically on title. Right. I actually just got the agents telling me we don't do it that way. I can't throw the agent under and I just pray that they're not going to listen to this podcast. 99.9% of the families buying homes in the United States today, I'm going to make this, I don't know, I'm throwing it out there. Usually that doctor wants his wife with two kids at home who's the homemaker, who does his... Here she's on title to that house. Absolutely. She would probably be petrified that she isn't. Yeah, I would be. I would absolutely be. I don't know why people think that it needs to be done afterwards. I mean, they could absolutely be doing it and they should be doing it at time of the purchase agreement. Otherwise, you have to wait for that deed to be recorded, which can take, you know, yes, there's a recording, but not every community uses that. And sometimes they're backed up as after COVID. You have to wait for that to be recorded so you can then file a quick claim deed to add her, which, you know, that could be a few weeks. And why would we, you know, make the extra expense and the extra effort when it could have been done at the same time? So I'm not sure why they wouldn't have added her. I don't know why they don't do it that way, but that they're really doing a disservice to their client. Right. Sonny, I'm telling you, yeah, go ahead, Sonny. No, I was going to say, yeah, I don't know. And I get, um, and I don't know if this is other realtors, but I get requests from the clients to want to do it after. Like, I don't know where that whole thought process comes from, what what myth that that, that is related to, but um, a lot of buyers ask to do that after. I don't know why. Yeah, like a lot of times a husband and a wife, and just in our world is the wife's, it's her, it's their marital, the marital assets they're using to purchase house, their name's on the checking account. Of course, she, you know, they'll re- they have kids at home, the guy, that's the whole reason the guy's signing. He's buying this house for his family. Of course he wants his wife on title at closing. It's just such an, it's like such a known thing. And sure enough, this morning I got kickback on it saying, we don't do it that way. We don't do it that way. You don't know how to do it the right way. So <laughs> anyways, we're always learning something new in the mortgage and real estate business. And I'll, I'm going to kick that back to you, Lisa. Tell me something new that people should know uh, right now when they're buying a house and getting the mortgage, and then we'll have Sunny comment on it. Something new that people should know. So, you know, I think there's a misnomer in how things like down payment assistance programs work. And I think one of the biggest things right now is I get a lot of kickback when someone has a FHA approval or, you know, a MISHTA approval. So MISHTA doesn't mean that MISHTA themselves are lending money. It could be an FHA approval. It could be a conventional MISHTA approval. But we're using these approvals right now so people can make appraisal guarantees. It doesn't mean that someone's broke. It doesn't mean that they have no money in the bank. MISHTA allows up for $20,000 worth of assets. So if someone's trying to be in a competitive market and maybe they've saved, you know, a specific amount of money for closing, but they don't have a lot extra for these guarantees, we can utilize um, these programs. We can get the down payment assistance. They now maybe can make a $5,000 or $10,000 appraisal guarantee that they couldn't make before. So there's a lot of misinformation out there about how those programs work. You know, MISHTA, yes, it's a double underwrite, but they usually take about an extra three to four days. It's not three weeks to go to MISHTA. That's a misnomer and it's, it's not accurate information. So I think that getting a, an education about these programs um, and making sure that agents are doing due diligence. I know Sunny never gives me kickback when I say that uh-huh. she's excited. doesn't matter right. what type of approval, you know, and we understand that 
you know, some approvals are probably like, a, obviously cash is king and conventional approvals are probably the next most favored. But, you know, I really want people to take the time to understand that government programs aren't bad. They're not subpar. You know, money is money. It doesn't matter, truthfully, what the loan type is because the person's getting paid in the end. So I think that that's a big, important thing that a lot of people don't understand. That would be my big thing. What about, what about you, Sonny? Yeah, Sonny. No, as on that note, I, I mean, I agree 100%. I spend a lot of time um, educating buyers and sellers about, um, you know, FHA. They could be FHA for a number of reasons. I sold a house, um, a woman bought a house for $400,000 with FHA. She was able to go beyond the limit because, you know, she had the money to make it up. Um, there was some other incident in her past that meant she had to go FHA. Um, and, and I always emphasize what you said, Lisa, is you mm-hmm. get the same check in the end. As long Absolutely. as what you should be concerned about is not the type of loan, not what the, the bank is, but is this person able to close? Like, so look for the signs that they're able to close as opposed to some of the other things that people are looking for. Um, yeah, a little, a little reminder out there too, is that we always like to touch on some uh, real estate topics that are a little more current and that's why we always ask the agent, Sonny, if anything happened in the last week or two that you saw or that we had to kick back. I had this quick clean deed thing after. I'm like, well, why do it that way? It's not really the way you do it, um, especially when your husband's signing a $1.7 million house. Trust me, we want to make sure that both parties are on there at the closing table. There's, that's the whole joy of it, that the wife's signing also. And she can laugh that she's the owner of that house when she walks away from the closing. But something else that pops up is these addendums. And a lot of the addendums, we as lenders don't want to see. You guys get real wordy on it. And yes, there's sometimes in a uh, conversation between the buyers and the sellers that say, hey, you guys put this together. We're going to replace the carpet. We're going to move out of the house. And then we're going to replace the carpet, you know, in that 30 days of occupancy. Sometimes we don't know. We don't need to know about that kind of thing because then there's an escrow hold back and it's an agreement. But there might be an addendum out there that we don't want to know about. And a little heads up there, at least you might have came across this just recently. If they write it as an addendum and we get it, now we've got to get inspections to show that the work's done. We've got to get escrow holdback money. And that's one and a half times. So sometimes keeping things off the purchase agreement into maybe another transaction, it doesn't have to be part of the real estate transaction to be okay. Yeah. I mean, we obviously, the whole goal here is to get something closed. And if it's something minor and you, you know, everyone's getting along, I don't think that that's an issue now. Sometimes we do need escrow holdbacks. You know, there's a, um, I'm going to say cretankerous transaction going on and everybody isn't quite getting along. Like, you know, sometimes buyers and sellers, something happens, you know, they're not all harmonious. We want to make sure that we're protecting everybody's interest, you know? And so sometimes there's escrow holdbacks because we'll make sure there's no damage after occupancy. You know, there's all this free occupancy going on and, you know, 30 days free, next 30 days paid, sometimes 60 days free. But when you've got people moving out of a house that, you you know, you, the new people own, that the new owners own, if they do damage when they're moving furniture, if they break something, you know, and we don't have any holdback um, or any, you know, uh, recourse, you know, buyers beware. So, you know, we always want to protect the interest of everybody in the transaction, especially obviously our buyers. But, you know, in this market, being competitive sometimes is taking away some of those protections. Sonny, let me throw that at you. I mean, the family stays there for 45 days. I'm buying this house and um, I've got two kids and uh, the other family's got, you know, four kids. That's why they need to upgrade. And uh, they're in there for another two months. 
point, a lot of damage can be done in an hour with children, right? Your, your babysit, your nephews and nieces, you come home and the house is gone. What happens after 45 or 60 days? And should families be protecting themselves a little bit more on that end of it? Yeah, I, I absolutely try to still um, do an escrow holdback, a damage deposit, mm-hmm. even if they're getting free occupancy. Like it's kind of routine if they're paying for occupancy to hold something back. But if um, if the people are staying there, I still, you know, order, you know, I still ask for that escrow holdback because of that reason that mm-hmm. people have their cousins moving them and they're nicking a wall or knocking something off. And um, we just need to have that holdback if for no other reason that they have a vested interest in fixing it or being careful or, you know what I mean? Like if you don't have anything, then what do they care? You know, they've already got their money. Um, you know, yeah, I yeah. like this conversation because, you know, after 30 years, I can recall all these times, multiple times when a family will say, you know, Harvey, we finally moved in and, you know, they, they nicked up the walls pretty good when they moved out, but they left all their furniture in the basement. So we did, they had a nice, you know, the old fashioned, nice closings where they're still sort of in contact because of this overlay where they, you know, they might've closed and they have to share some mail. And if any mail comes to the house and it's nice when a closing happens like that. And I'll make this my last words and we'll go to you guys. I love the old fashioned closing. I love any closing, but an old fashioned one where the buyers and sellers are talking about what goes on in the neighborhood, things to sort of pass the torch and say, this was my house that we enjoyed all these years. I'm selling you something with a peace of mind. It's a great solid house. It's not going to be a money pin. We wish you the best of luck. That's are my thoughts. And, and that's what I like still about what we do for a living. You guys. I was going to say on that note, um, it, I was thinking of this before um, you said that is because of the occupancy thing, people aren't, you know, getting their house until they're, they're not getting their keys at the table. And it's kind of anticlimactic, right? Like you close and you're happy and then you have to wait 30 um, to 40 days. And it's yeah. almost routine now. Like almost everybody yeah. has 30 days for occupancy and it kind of takes away from the fun excitement of the closing and you end up doing it at the walkthrough and it's just different. Yes. Lisa. It's funny you say that because I had a first time home buyer and I was like, are you kind of excited? She goes, well, I'm excited. All that's behind me. But she had a 60 day, I think it was a 60 day occupancy. And she's like, you know, it, you go back to your own house, do your own thing for another two months. You know what I mean? She's like, so you're right. It's very anticlimactic for them. It's kind of a bummer, but you know, when that day comes and you get keys and he gets to move in, you know, it's gotta be super exciting, even though you maybe had to wait a little bit longer than, you know, back in the day. I mean, I agree with Harvey, nothing beats sitting at a closing where everybody's getting along, they're getting keys that day because they're moving that weekend and, you know, remind them to tell, Hey, when does mail come or when's your garbage pickup? Because they don't know. And, you know, everyone's laughing and, you know, hopefully we get back to that and the market starts stabilizing and we're not so, you know, seller's market where, you know, we're more equal and we'll be able to do those again. But um, in the interim, we're going to just keep plugging and chugging and getting everybody closed and getting to homes. Hey, great stuff. You guys, as always. And we're going to see you Sonny on the hardcore show this Saturday on 97 won the ticket and we'll look forward to that conversation also again this has been the hardcore mortgage show for uh capital mortgage funding we're part of fairway independent mortgage corporation nmls 2289 equal housing lender and we will see you next wednesday on the next podcast thank you